Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Hi there, welcome to today's program and I am in North Wales where believe it or not it's raining. It rains a lot of the time over here but I'm delighted to be with my son Peter Wooding who is also a journalist and we're going to share some of uh, his rather amazing stories over the last few months. So Peter, thank you for being on the program. Uh, Thanks for having me. Now Pete, you start today with a trip to Ukraine where you went into a prison. Tell us a little bit about the trip, who organized it and what happened. Yeah, I've been uh, involved with an amazing charity for several years now called Mercy Projects, which actually started out going into the prisons in Russia with uh, Jeff Thompson, who is from a Calvary Chapel church in Murrieta. And... um, but for many years, he's also been ministering in the prisons in Ukraine and supports some incredible pastors that work particularly in the war zone in East Ukraine. And I had the privilege of going in to a couple of these prisons and even got permission to film some of the chapel services. But what's remarkable is um, Pastor Sergei Kuzmenko, uh, who led the service that I was filming, had actually served time in this prison that we went into uh, not only got saved in the prison, but met his met his wife in the prison, which was just incredible story. So to be with him and uh, to see him lead this service, and uh, I just try and picture the scene. It's a bit like going into back into the sort of communist times, where you see barbed wire everywhere, it's freezing. It's the middle of January, soldiers everywhere, or army guards. Very intimidating atmosphere. You walk. Uh, in this uh, awful prison courtyard, and then we walk into this really run-down chapel with the, just the toughest men you've ever seen in your life, huge, intimidating men. But we start with worship, and they're all worshipping, raising their arms, singing these songs, and then they just soak up every word that we all have to share with our testimonies. And then Pastor Sergei gets up to preach and then asks if any of these tough men, in front of all of them, want to give their lives to Jesus and two men come forward and I'm filming all of this just the most incredible experience to see that and uh, just to spend time with these men we had lunch with them and um, you just you know you walk in thinking this is quite scary but then you don't want to leave afterwards because you feel such a, a bonding with these men even though we come from such completely different stories but we're united in Christ. What happened for translation? Because, you know, I know you were filming, but they're doing the services in Ukrainian. Did somebody stand by you and explain what was going on? Yes, one of the things you have to learn is to speak through a translator. Uh, They had a very good translator for us and uh, did a great job. But you have to just sort of uh, take what you say in just short sentences, which which is what I had to do. What was also special about spending time with uh, Pastor Sergei is not only does he go into the prisons, but then 
for the guys when they come out of prison that's the most challenging time when they've given their lives to jesus they go back into the same environment they were in with the gangs and the drug dealers but what uh, sergey does is he has a rehabilitation home which is also funded by mercy projects and we had the opportunity to spend time with some of the men in this home and i interviewed one guy who was had been a drug dealer uh, a drug addict and has just completely had his life transformed because of sergey's ministry and he loves to serve with his hands so he's helped to finish the building work on this rehabilitation center and they have almost a hundred percent success rate of rehabilitating these men that do not reoffend once they've been through his program so it's very great to see the ongoing work have such an impact tell us a little bit more about ukraine well, you know what's the spiritual state there i know there's been a lot of problems with the uh, russians and with them taking over crimea um it, is there a sort of bleakness there or are people encouraged or what yes and no there is a bleakness and the sad thing is that so little is being reported on the war that has been going on for many many years now we don't hear about it but it's still happening when when we were walking into the prison we could still hear gunfire hear gunfire in the distance so it, it's still happening so there is a real bleakness but there's such a spiritual openness like we saw in the prisons and um, one of the most remarkable experiences you know you don't hear these incredible stories in the middle of what was going on at the peak of the the war in east ukraine is we met this christian volunteer paramedic who has been serving with the unhcr he was actually a, a vet but wanted to serve in his community the people that were dying in this war zone so he would drive an ambulance into these villages these towns that were being bombed and attacked and rescue people's lives but then what happened was he um, got arrested by the Russian separatists. They didn't like what he was doing and they found a Bible in his ambulance. So they were threatening to kill him. But then three days after he'd been in this prison cell, he miraculously escaped. He said it was like Paul in the book of the apostles. They just walked out the prison cell. <laughs> and uh, just incredible story just to hear those kind of biblical stories going on in East Ukraine. So despite the bleakness, there are signs of hope still. And I know one of the parts of uh, Mercy Projects that you've been really blessed with is the Hearts of Love Center. Tell us a little bit about what goes on there and uh, how it's affected your life. Yeah, 11 years ago, I believe it was, I took my first team to the Special Needs Children's Center in Konotop in Ukraine and just has such a great uh, connection with Lena who runs this center she has a special needs daughter herself many of these mothers would come to her home just attracted to her and her Christian faith and needing some kind of sign of hope many of these uh, mothers the the fathers abandon the children when they discover they have special needs and so she has been a, a sort of a beacon of hope in this town and then Jeff Thompson from Mercy Projects was challenged to help her buy a building about 12 years ago and that was renovated into what it is today, this incredible centre uh, where parents and their children can come and share their challenges, the children get an education. Many of them have gone through the state system and the schools have given up on them. They just can't handle uh, autistic children children with down syndrome they're just not able to cope with it in ukraine 
but because these staff are so compassionate and have the love of Christ in them, they're somehow able to reach these children and get them under control uh, and teach them. So I've been taking teams since 2008 uh, uh, when I can. Uh, when the war broke out, I wasn't able to bring teams anymore. But last year was very special. On the 10th anniversary since the first team I took there, I was able to take my youngest daughter, Abigail, and another lady from the UK and work with a Ukrainian team from Calvary Chapel, Kiev, uh, to do a Bible camp for the Hearts of Love Center. And I think we're going to hear a bit more later about the impact that had on Abigail and how God is calling her into missions work now. So, Peter, one of the things that you've very much been involved with is the Global News Alliance with Stan Jeter. Tell us a little bit about Stan, his background, and how you got involved. So Stan's amazing because he was one of the first people to hire me as a freelance journalist way back in 2008 when I went freelance to do stories for CBN News and their Christian World News program. And then three years ago, he started the Global News Alliance, which is an online Christian video news service networking journalists all around the world telling the God stories. And I was hired as their London bureau chief, which is an incredible honor. And so uh, we seek to uh, work with other ministries and journalists and churches to source stories of what God is doing around the world. And one of the highlights for me each year is to meet other like-minded media professionals at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. In uh, This year it was in Anaheim, and um, nice to go back to California. And uh, you just get the most incredible stories. And uh, I interviewed a remarkable man called... Bob Canuck, who is like a modern-day Indiana Jones, who is a Bible expedition explorer trying to find the the uh, hidden Bible locations around the world. And it was a fascinating interview. Uh, but the big name drop at the beginning that really impressed me and was fascinating is that he was actually a Newport Beach police officer, and at the end of his shift, he would go and get donuts like most police officers are stereotyped as doing. And then he'd see this man leaning on his car with his tweed jacket on, a tweed hat on, eating his donuts and coffee. And would always ask him, um, how was your shift? You know, he was fascinated. And it was John Wayne. It was <laughs> incredible because people probably know John Wayne used to live in Newport Beach. And John Wayne said something very profound to him. He said, you guys are the real heroes. When we were doing our uh, Western films, we could walk away from that. It wasn't a real thing. But what you police officers do is challenging. You're really putting your lives on the line. So that was a fascinating interview with Bob Canuck. And just uh, one place after the other, he was telling me of the places that he's uh, looked for, places like um, Mount Sinai, the the Lost Ark, um, the the um the lost ship of paul uh it was just incredible to hear his story and also did you meet any uh movie actors there i know there's usually quite a few turn up at the nlb probably the most fascinating uh two movie stars i interviewed was stephen baldwin and jim caviezel stephen baldwin was promoting a film about the martyred Australian missionary Graham Staines, in which he plays him in the film himself. And then uh, Jim Caviezel, who I'm sure most know, played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, produced by Mel Gibson. 
that was just so fascinating to hear what his experience was like. Uh, he just uh, he was promoting a film called Paul the Apostle. If you get a chance to see it, it was absolutely fascinating. And he said something very profound to me. He said the scriptures are a bit like how he likes his coffee, black without sugar, very bitter. <laughs> and that's what he believes the scriptures are like, that they're raw, they're very real, uh, and yet they're challenging to us. So uh, that was a fascinating interview. And then uh, with Stephen Baldwin, I think the most interesting thing was hearing his testimony that I didn't know about before, that it was through their um, their nanny in their house was a Brazilian lady and she would sing worship songs all the time. And Stephen Baldwin's wife said to her one day, why do you sing worship songs? She said, well, I believe God called me here to work with your family to tell you about Jesus. And his wife was so impacted by it, she gave her life to Christ. Stephen Baldwin notices his every morning his wife is reading the Bible, praying every day. And then he said after 9-11, it provoked him to think about faith. And he gave his life to Jesus. So I thought that was a, a fascinating testimony. Now, now, Graham Staines, many people won't know the story, but maybe you could briefly share it about how he was ministering in, in India with his family from Australia and something terrible happened. Yes, yeah, so he was always uh, having his life threatened because of the persecution in India. And, and sadly, eventually he was martyred along with his two sons in his car. I remember reporting on this as a journalist at the time, and uh, he was burned alive. It was just so heartbreaking, but um, Stephen Baldwin was saying it was so out of character for him to play this sort of very softly spoken Australian missionary, uh, but telling, he said it really impacted him telling this incredible guy's story. One of the the people that I always remember was involved with uh, Stephen Baldwin was Lewis Palau. And um, Lewis Palau has had a similar illness to myself, lung cancer. What's the news of Lewis? And did, did, was he at the NRB? No, he wasn't there this year. I think his health has made it very difficult for him to travel. But he is responding really well to the cancer treatment and... Um, hadn't expected to still even be alive let alone the fact that most recently he was able to travel on his first overseas preaching uh, mission trip since he was diagnosed with a lung cancer to Madrid and uh, one of the privileges for me for the Global News Alliance is I was able to post an incredible story that included footage of Andrew Palau, his son, introducing his father to come on the stage to preach in Madrid, which is just a miracle in itself that he was still well enough and alive enough to preach. And what's even more special is that his son is carrying on in his father's footsteps, Andrew Palau, and I uh, just produced another story about how Andrew Palau just preached in Swansea in South Wales and um, uh, he was talking about in the interview that it was all his family that were saved through Welsh missionaries to Argentina which is why the Palau's always feel indebted to go to Wales which is where we are at the moment um, because his grandparents gave their lives to Jesus through Welsh missionaries. Now I want you to try and explain Pete <laughs> the amazing way that you gather your stories because I know when you started with uh, Global News Alliance there were quite a few terrorist um, attacks in uh, London and you would suddenly have to rush up to London 
you film yourself and you interview people and technically how do you do a story so i use uh one of the smaller digital cameras which is amazing what you can do on these cameras these days and also more and more uh using a smartphone um, I do a lot of Facebook Live interviews for CBN News, which is incredible because they have almost a million followers. So I can just be on the ground, uh, you know, within hours of a terrorist attack in London, going live on my smartphone uh, or recording interviews and then quickly editing within a few hours onto the Global News Alliance. So it's incredible what you can do both live and recorded and then turn it around extremely quickly to get those stories out but what's great is that um, it's all about bringing in what God is doing through these tragedies so through those two terror attacks I quickly reported on in London and then the one in Manchester I was able to report on how Christians were ministering to people in the area particularly the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team who have these amazing chaplaincy teams that uh, most recently have been, we've been posting stories about how they've been ministering in Dayton, Ohio uh, and in Texas, I believe, after those terrible shootings, ministering to people that are traumatized by these uh, terrible tragedies. One of the people that you've featured prominently, Pete, is Baroness Caroline Cox. She's this extraordinary lady who's in the House of Lords she one minute is sitting there, uh, you know, in this uh, privileged house in London, you know, where the second part of the British government is based, and then she'd be sleeping in a tent in a war zone. Tell us about her and, and the impact she's had on you. She's always such a privilege to interview, and I just spoke to her a few weeks ago about uh, some of her recent trips to Nigeria where she, she almost lost her life. She's not afraid to go into these dangerous places and she was uh, minutes away from being ambushed by Fulani herdsmen who are the most dangerous terrorists in Nigeria at the moment as well as Boko Haram. She was talking about how she'd just been to Aleppo in Syria and she said that people in the House of Lords listen to her because she actually has been to these places and seen it firsthand when she's lobbying for these persecuted Christians and she's just one of the most fearless most humble women I've ever met and she's a true hero of the faith so uh, one day I'm hoping I get to go on one of these trips uh, if it's not too dangerous <laughs> where's one place you wouldn't want to go um, I think some of the places she goes to in Nigeria are quite scary. Um, maybe North Korea, you've been there. That would be quite a scary place, but fascinating. And uh, Syria, I would absolutely love to go. But um, again, when it's been described to me, some of the risks of going there, I'm still not quite sure. Now, you were back in California briefly for this uh, trip, and you were with uh, Jeff Thompson. And by the way, how do people find out more about Jeff's ministry? Yes, yeah, so they can go to mercyprojects.org. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you just look up Mercy Projects. So uh, what I do is when I go on these reporting assignments, 
I will produce videos. I've just produced one on my most recent trip to Georgia, uh, which was an incredible camp for Armenian children that they've been running for several years. So if you go on mercyprojects.org, you'll see my latest video on there. And also these videos of these incredible stories of the prison ministry and then this paramedic that escaped from this prison in Ukraine. Now, this is not the Georgia where Atlanta is. This is the uh, birthplace of Joseph Stalin, one of the greatest, uh, well, I shouldn't say greatest, notorious mass murderers in the history of mankind. But um, were you scared when you were going into Georgia? No, not really. I'd been before. It's quite a quite a safe place now, very open. It's like Ukraine. You land at the airport. You're not even asked any questions. We don't have to fill in any forms. Uh, I don't know if that's because we're still part of the EU. It helps. Uh, that probably won't be the case for much longer. But it was just the most incredible experience um, seeing these uh, 40 or so young uh, children and teenagers that have been brought over from Armenia. Many of them have never seen the sea in their lives. We were staying at this lovely house right on the beach. So they have exercises each morning and then every afternoon they're able to swim in the Black Sea which is very good for their health. They get great food, but also we're feeding them spiritually. So I got to teach some of the Bible classes. They get Bible classes every day. And then in this video, if you get to see it, you'll see what uh, things they said they learned from the Bible. They really are impacted. And this is something that's been going on for several years. Many of these kids get to come back to the camp each year. But also we had some team members from the States that had got to visit some of these Armenian kids in their homes and to hear their stories before they came on the camp are incredibly heartbreaking. One boy, uh, his mother and his grandmother passed away when he was very little and he lives alone with his alcoholic father and if his father drinks again he'll have to go into state care and be taken away to an orphanage. But his only outlet in life is that he can sing and he actually won the talent show at this uh, camp in Georgia had the most incredible voice and one year his dream is to be a professional singer uh, another boy could potentially be a professional soccer player and if you saw pictures of where his home is again that there's pictures of that on mercyprojects.org in our most recent newsletter he actually lives in a train carriage an abandoned train carriage with his parents, uh, he has four siblings. They live in this one room in a train carriage. It's rusty, it's freezing in the winter, absolutely heartbreaking. But the only glimpse of hope they have is that his soccer coach uh, saw such potential in him, he's paying for him to go to a soccer academy. And one day their hope is that he can get the family out of this poverty by him becoming a professional football player. So that's the kind of impact these, these camps have in Georgia. Now, many years ago, when we lived in California, my wife, Norma, and myself were thrilled but also heartbroken when you suddenly felt God's call to go back to England and join a group called Youth with a Mission, which you did. And we remember seeing you off at the airport, and we were very, very saddened in a way, although we were thrilled that you were doing this but now you're going to go through the same situation with your daughter Abigail tell us about why she is joining YWAM and where she's going yeah it was just in the last year or two uh, she just felt a call on her life to go into youth with a mission to initially get this 
discipleship training school training which is what I did 30 years ago so it's so exciting for my wife and I to see our 18 year old daughter following in our footsteps because that's how I met my wife in Youth with a Mission and so she is going to a YWAM Kona uh, incredible place to go where the University of the Nations is and she'll be doing a three-month training course and then going on an overseas mission trip she won't know until she gets there where she'll be going. It's likely to be either somewhere in Asia or South America, so that's pretty broad. But we're just so excited for her after knowing the impact it had on me and my wife Sharon all those years ago that she's following in our footsteps in a way. It was just going to be an incredible experience for her. Uh, I'm sure in a way her experience with Mercy Projects going to Ukraine with us last year kind of sowed that seed in her that uh, God could use her in missions. What is so interesting is she's reading a book at the moment called I Wonder (laughs) If Chocolate Kills Brain Cells, which is written by your older brother, Andrew, about his experiences with YWAM. And um, this is giving her a little bit of uh, background. But um, are you worried about it or excited or what? We're very excited, probably more worried because we're going to miss her tremendously, but much more excited for what God's going to do in and through her life and knowing what what it did for us. So, you know, your parents, you'll always be uh, concerned uh, for your child. She's still our young daughter to us, but we know God will protect her and she's with a great ministry, Youth with a Mission uh, incredible what they do and how they equip young people to really see how they can be used of God so probably more excited but we'll be a bit sad particularly when we take her to the airport in a few weeks time <laughs> so Pete if people want to make contact with you they want to find out more of what you're doing uh, is there an email address yeah they can contact me at peter at gna Dot news and uh, they can also uh, look at some of the stories we do on the global news alliance at gna.news well i want to thank peter my son uh, i'm so thrilled that he is continuing the family tradition of being involved in journalism but journalism about the uh, what is happening around the world so peter thank you so much for being on the program thank you You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.